Acts chapter 12, reading from verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. The sentry stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak round you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognised Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He had been quarrelling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace, because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his thrones and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a god, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. When Barnabas and Saul had finished the mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Amen. Father, we thank you that you do speak to us, and we pray this morning that we would listen to you. In Jesus' name, and for your glory. Amen. 
Great, now I wonder, have a look at the screen, and I wonder if you can tell me, just very quickly, what we have on the screen. What do we have? Very quickly. Go on, Tardy. Say again. Yes, brilliant. So you've got an ant, and what's next to the ant? Go on, TJ. An ant eater. Great. What else have we got? Joel? Yeah, so a, a wasp or a bee, okay, and what looks like a tennis racket, it's a bit, it's called a wasp swatter, okay, so it looks a bit like a tennis racket, but that's what it is. And brilliant, what's the last one? Any ideas? Josh, you got your hand up? So, yeah, two wrestlers, that's right, yeah, two people wrestling. Now, the question for you this morning to discuss on your tables, right, just one minute is in each of these cases, so with the anteater and the ant, and with the two wrestlers and the wasp and the, the wasp swatter, who do you think will win? Okay, you've got one minute. In each case, who's going to win out of those two? As they meet together, who's going to win? Okie dokie. So I think we're probably there. Let's have a think. Holly, can you tell me who, who, do you, who ch choose your first one? Who's going who's gonna to win? You got your hand up. Okay, so this, this one, as these two meet together, the ant eater eats ants. I think he's going to win. The ant's not going to stand much of a chance, is he? No? Okay, so the ant eater's probably going to win. Uh, actually, he is going to win uh, out of those two. Okay, what about the wasp and the wasp swatter? Who's going to win out of those two? Go on, Joel. The swatter. Now, the, the wasp, he, he, he's very nasty. He might, he might go around stinging some people, okay, in the meantime, but eventually he's going to meet the swatter, and he's not going to win that, is he? And then what about the last one, the two wrestlers? Go on, Ruben. Who's going to win out of the two wrestlers? The big one. He is much more powerful, isn't he? He is so much more powerful. There's no chance that this guy on the right, he's going to win at all. So in each case, there's this battle, okay, these two things coming together, and there is one clear winner. There's one person who's going to win. And that is what we have in Acts chapter 12. We have a battle between not two wrestlers, not two animals, but two kings. Okay, so I need just a couple of people to come out here and help me to, to help us understand this. So I need a king. I need a king, Herod. Abby, out you come. Okay, you stand just here for me. And then I need... Are you going to be a king as well, Luke? Yep. Yeah? No, he's getting a Bible. Oh, sorry, mate. You're going to get your Bible. Sorry, buddy. You're going to get your Bible. And then, do you know what I think I might have out here? Nick, why don't you come out here for me? Okay, so here's, here's King Herod that we see in Acts 12, okay, and he looks big and strong, be big and strong, Abby. But then what happens in Acts chapter 12 is he meets, go and stand next to Abby for me, Nick, he meets King Jesus. Uh, now, who do you think is going to win out of these two? Abby, King Herod, 
Nick King Jesus. Go on, Toddy. Who's going to win? Jesus. Yeah, that's right. No contest. Thanks, guys. You can, uh, oh. you, you can go and sit down. Um, you see, as we look at those two, just like we see on the screen, there's only one clear winner. There's only one person who's going to win. That's King Jesus. Jesus is the greater king. You could even say Jesus is the true king. Okay, and so what we need to do is we need to keep trusting Jesus. We need to keep trusting the true king. Now, last week, we saw a church who were doing just that. There was a church, and they were living for King Jesus. They were trusting King Jesus, and everything was going really, really well for them. This week, we go to a church down the road. Okay, so it's not the same church as last week. It's a different church. Now, they know Jesus is their king, but they're going through a very, very difficult time. Things are not good for them because they're being attacked by King Herod. And the challenge for them during this time is to keep trusting the true king, even though they can't see him. Okay, it's to keep trusting Jesus. And that's the big challenge for us too, isn't it? Whether things are going well, or whether things are actually really quite difficult. Whatever battle we face, it's to know that Jesus is the true king and to keep trusting him. Okay, that's the big thing I want us to go away with today. So, as I, as I put on this crown, okay, we're going to say together that we need to keep trusting the true king. Can we all say that together? Keep trusting the true king. Okay, that's a big thing from Acts chapter 12. Keep trusting the true king. Now, Acts 12 shows, shows us three things, what that looks like, three things and how we trust, keep trusting the true king. The first is that, this, that we expect evil kings. Now, you can fill in your things if you want to. We expect evil kings. Okay, that's the first thing. That's the first way we keep trusting, to actually expect evil kings. Now, what we see very clearly in the text is that is what Herod is. He is an evil king. So let's have Herod up here again. Abby, do you want to come up here and be Herod? Great. Now, Abby, we're going to give you, we're going to dress you up as a king, so you face everybody here. Okay, so here you go. You've got a crown, and you have, uh, let's say, some kind of uh, robe. Don't worry, this is a very, very clean bedsheet. So let's put that on you. And because you're an evil king, you have a sword. And because you're an evil king, you're going to look very angry. Can you look angry for us, Abby? Come on, you've got to do better than that. Look angry. Really angry. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Uh, Now, the reason you're evil, Abby, is because you hate Jesus and you hate his church. And we can see that from what Herod does in verse 1. Herod arrested some who belonged to the church and he intended to persecute them. That means he was catching people who believe in Jesus, and he wanted to hurt them because they believed in Jesus. Okay, so you're going around uh, doing that, you're arresting people, and then one of Jesus' followers, James, this is what you, you, you do to him. You see him, and you put him to death with your sword. So you actually kill James. Now, lots of people are pleased about this. The crowds are pleased. So Herod then, he goes around and he arrests Peter, somebody who we've seen a lot of in Acts, and he puts him in prison. And what he's going to probably do, we think, is he's going to bring Peter out of prison and he's going to kill him too. So this is really bad. This is really terrible. James has been killed and Peter is in prison. And what we see is Herod is an evil 
king. Well, Abby, if you want to uh, sit down for a second, that'd be great. Now, he's a bit like, so Herod is a bit like this. He's a bit like the wasp, okay? Uh, he, he's, he's nothing, really. He, he, he's no match for the true king, but he's still not very nice. And what he does before he meets his match, he goes around and he's stinging people, okay? And he's hurting people. That's what Herod is doing. Now, he's doing that because he knows that Jesus is the true king, and he hates that. He hates the fact that there is another king above him, so he wants to get rid of Jesus' followers. He wants to get rid of Jesus. But, you see, because Jesus will always be the true king, we should expect more people like Herod. There have been many more before Herod, many more after Herod, and there will be more to come. Now, thankfully, at the moment... We don't have anyone in a position that hates Jesus like that. So, here's a lady. Who knows who this lady is? Anyone tell me? Go on, Reuben. It's not the Queen, actually. The Queen is coming up. But who is this? Go for it. <coughs> Theresa May. Well done. Yeah, the Prime Minister. And she doesn't seem to want to put people who go to church in prison at the moment, which is great. Also, we have Reuben. Who's this? The Queen. Brilliant. Now, she doesn't seem to hate Jesus. I think she loves Jesus, which, again, is great. And so we live at the moment in a really peaceful time. But the thing is, we just don't know what's going to happen in the future. And Acts 12 tells us that we should expect that at some point we might have someone in power who is very evil, who doesn't like Jesus. We might even face someone we know at school who's a bit like that, who wants to hurt us. Now, the question at that point is, well, what do we do? And the thing for us to do, if we meet somebody like that, or we have a king like that, is to, do you remember, to keep trusting the true king. Can we say it all together? Keep trusting the true king. And the way we do that, according to Acts chapter 12, is we pray. We pray. This is the next thing we see that we pray to the powerful king. We pray to the powerful king. Okay, this is the second thing we see this morning. Second way we trust that Jesus is the true king, we pray to him, pray to the powerful king. So everything has gone really badly for the church, isn't it? James has been killed, Peter's in prison. Now, if it was that was to happen here, I wonder what we'd do. Of course, we'd be sad and we'd be frightened But hopefully we would do what this church in Acts chapter 12 also do. Look at how they respond in verse 5. So Peter's kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The church are praying. They know that there is a more powerful king than Herod. And what we see in the story is just how powerful he is. Okay, now to help us see this, I'm going to need some help up here. So I need uh, a Peter. Anna, do you want to be, come and be Peter for me? Yeah, you can come up. You don't have to if you don't want to. So I need a Peter. Anna's going to come and be Peter. I need two guards, all right, that look big and strong. So why don't we have Bethany and TJ? So you stand just there for me, Anna. Okay, face everybody. Oh, sorry, is it Anna? Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, Anna, not Anna. Right, this way, st- face that way. Now, TJ, you come and guard here, look. 
All right, so you, you, you guys have got to look really fierce and strong. And uh, you are guarding Anna with the sword, all right? So that comes down here so that she can't escape. Anna, you are in chains, so you've got to put your hands behind your back. That's what Acts 12 tells us. You're chained up, you've got two guards, and you've got an iron gate in front of you. Now, meanwhile, what are the church doing? Somebody tell me what the church doing. This is Peter's in prison, but the church are... Go on, Joshua. Praying, brilliant. So I need a church to come and pray for me here, to have your prayer meeting in the house. Tardy, why don't you come out and pray? Reuben, you come out and pray. Abby, come out and pray. Brilliant. That's really hard work, you know. Come and sit down, come and sit down here. All right, so you are going to be the church who are praying. And what we see in verses 6 to 10 is that Peter is in prison here. He's in chains, he's guarded by soldiers, strong locked doors. There is no way that Peter is getting out of this prison. Not a chance. Okay, you are, verse 5 tells us, you are kept in prison. You're there. And the church here, they're praying. So guys, how do you pray? Eyes, eyes, eyes together? No. Eyes closed, hands together. That's it. Pray hard. You're earnestly praying, remember? Earnestly pray. That's it. Well done, Abby. Good earnestly praying. And as you're doing this, something amazing happens. You see, Jesus, God's king, sends an angel to meet Peter and to rescue him. So what he does is he comes, this angel comes, and suddenly the chains fall off Peter. So your, chain, your hands are free. Wave your hands in the air, Anna. Brilliant. Okay? And the guards don't see you at all, and the doors just open, and you just walk out. Now, that's incredible. The, what we see in the text, so verses 6 to 10, is that the angel of the Lord does all of this to the point where Anna doesn't, sorry, Peter doesn't really know what's going on. Okay, she, she, she has no idea. But suddenly he comes to himself in verse 11. He says this. He says, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent an angel and the Lord has rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people thought would happen. So Peter knows that Jesus is a really, really powerful king, that he's brought him out of prison. And so what he does is he goes to tell the church. So Anna, you walk down here, okay, and you knock at the door where they're praying. Just knock at the door for me. Brilliant. And a, a lady called Rhoda comes to meet Peter. Up you come, Abby. Now, she doesn't open the door, but she hears Peter's voice. And she's so amazed that she goes back to tell everybody, so Abby, you go and tell your praying uh, brothers and sisters, it's Peter, it's Peter. Go on, shout for us. Peter. It's Peter. Now, you guys, you just can't believe this, but eventually you let Peter in. So open the door for Peter. Brilliant. Peter, you walk in. And here's how they react, okay? When they, when they opened the door and they saw him, they were astonished. They cannot believe this. They can't believe that Peter would ever have been let out of prison. But what happens, Peter describes in verse 17 how it was Jesus. The Lord brought him out of prison. And it's an amazing thing that Jesus is the powerful king. The Lord has brought him out of prison. So now the whole church know that Jesus is a really powerful king, and he's answered their prayers. Guys, thanks very much. Give these guys a round of applause. You can, you can sit down. Great. Now, you see what's going on here, don't you? It's a bit like this, okay? So here you've got, here you've got Herod, 
Okay, here's King Herod, and he's fighting against King Jesus. He's trying to put Jesus' followers in prison. But do you see, he has no chance because Jesus is so much more powerful. He can lock him in prison all he likes, but Jesus gets him out of that. Jesus rescues him out of that. Jesus is so much more powerful. He is the true king. And so, what should we do as a church? If we have such a big, powerful king, what should we do? We pray. We pray to the powerful king. Now, it might be that we have a King Herod who goes against us. What are we going to do? We're going to pray to the powerful king. It might be that you have a difficult time at school for believing in Jesus. Well, what can you do? You can pray to the powerful king. It might be that things are just difficult at home or that we have a really difficult situation in the church family. And what are we to do then? We're to pray. We're to pray to the powerful king. You see, that is just one way that we do what? That we keep trusting the true king. Can we all say that together? So to pray to the powerful king is one way we keep trusting in the true king. But here's the thing. You don't just pray on your own. Okay, do you see that's not what, ha- what is happening here, isn't it? it, it, it you, you let the church know. You talk to the church. And the church are meet together and they pray earnestly together. The church are the ones who are to keep praying. Now, that doesn't mean that we will all be rescued like Peter, that suddenly all our troubles will go away. We know that, don't we? Because Jesus didn't actually rescue James. James was killed. And we don't know why. He, he, he allowed James to die and Peter to live. Uh, we don't know why sometimes Jesus leaves us in a very difficult time. But as we pray, we are saying to him, look, you are bigger than this situation. You are more powerful than anybody else. You are more powerful than this whole situation. You are a powerful, powerful king. And even if you don't rescue me from this, I trust that you are a powerful king. I trust that you're a powerful king. And so I'm going to pray to you. And in the end, we will see that for ourselves. We will see that Jesus really is the true king. This is the last thing that we we see this morning. We see that uh, the third way we trust the true king is to know that King Jesus will judge. To know that King Jesus will judge. This is the last thing we see, very briefly. To know that King Jesus will judge. So when Herod realises that Peter has been rescued, he's, he's really, really angry. Okay, but there's not much he can do, so life goes on and life actually gets better for Herod. So this whole uh, city, whole city of people come to Herod and they say, look, we really want to be friends with you, Herod, because we know that you can give us some food. And Herod loves this, and so he, uh, he, he comes out and he gives a speech to them. So, Herod, do you want to come up again? Okay, so this whole city, imagine you guys are the city, you've said, Herod, we want to be friends with you. And so... Here's Herod, and he's there giving his speech. Give your speech to, give your speech to everybody. Brilliant. And there you are, dressed as a king. You're giving your speech, and the crowd loves this. In verse 22, here's what they say. They say, "This is the voice of a god." Can we say this together? This is the voice of a god. Now Herod is absolutely pleased about this. 
He loves this, but it doesn't last very long. You see, in verse 23, immediately, because Herod didn't give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down. Down your gate. And he's eaten by worms. We're not going to replicate that bit. And he died. And we're not going to replicate that either. Don't worry, Chris. Uh, brilliant. Herod, off you go. You've been a great Herod. I just need the crown. Okay. Herod doesn't want to praise God. He wants to be God. And he thinks that he is the true king. But God shows everyone that he really isn't. He strikes him down. That's what, that's what we call God's judgment. Jesus judges Herod. Okay, he judges him and Herod dies. Now, Herod has nothing he can do or say anymore. His word is no more. But, verse 24, the word of God continues to spread, continues to flourish. You see, Jesus is the, the, the true king. That's what we see here, that, that he will judge and his word will go on. It's a bit like these two, isn't it? It's a bit like the ant and the anteater. The ant can run around all day if he wants. He can pretend that the anteater is not around the corner. He can just ignore the anteater, but one day the anteater is going to catch up with the ant and he's going to eat him. And the ant will be no more, whilst the anteater just carries on. And this is what Herod is like. Herod is a bit like an ant. He looks so big to others, he looks so strong, but actually to Jesus, he's just like an ant. And now, he is no more. Now look, if you're not a Christian here this morning, this is not good news for you. Okay, because we're all a bit like Herod. We, we may not have been really angry with the church, we may not have killed anyone, but we've all wanted to be God. And so we deserve what Herod gets, death and hell. And so all of us need to stop trying to be the king and to trust the true king. Because you know what the true king did? He's not just big and powerful. What he did was he died on the cross to take the judgment that we should get. And so to trust in the true king is the only way that we can be safe. And then from there, we just keep trusting the true king. He becomes our friend and we can trust him and know him and love him. And then at that point, if we're facing someone like Herod, we know that even if we're not rescued from them straight away, even if, if, if they are not stopped straight away, nothing can stop God's word. No one can. And one day... Jesus the King will judge them. He will judge our enemies. So from here, what happens in Acts? Well, the church keep telling people about Jesus the true King, and we must do the same. And that is, that is the way, really, that we, we do what we keep trusting the true King. We keep trusting the true King. Can we say it all together one last time? We keep trusting the true King. Great, let me pray, and then we're going to sing. Father, thank you so much for King Jesus. We thank you that he is bigger and more powerful than anything we might face. Thank you that he's bigger and more powerful than any bad king that might rule over us. And we pray, Father, that whilst we have confidence in him to judge others, we would keep trusting him so that we may know you as our friend. 
Please, Father, help us to keep trusting Jesus as the true King and have every confidence that your gospel and your word will continue to spread. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.